to see you this morning. You may be seated. Wonderful to be here. And uh, how good is spring, if you don't mind? It makes a huge difference. I uh, even got out in the yard yesterday and got a few things done, so Sharon's happy. And, uh, and that's important. So, so good to see you this morning. Uh, I'm going to get to the Word in a moment. We've been in a series called Names of God. And I'm going to get to that in just a moment. But beforehand, just bring you, I guess, a little bit of an update. Uh, Obviously, we're on this journey of alignment uh, as Hope Church and Infused Church. And I really just want to uh, speak to that a little bit for you because sometimes what can happen is uh, we we expect uh, overnight uh, everything just to sort of happen and fall into place when we're looking to make change or or transition. But the journey we're on between now and the end of the year uh, is one of alignment. Uh, around how we do ministry, around leadership, and obviously also around all things governance. And so these nights, starting on Tuesday night, fortnightly, are super, super important. If you're a leader in the life of the church, if you serve on a team, if you're involved in any way whatsoever, we really encourage you to come out uh, on these Tuesday nights. We're going to be bringing different members of our team up on those fortnights, uh, depending on what the topic is on the night, whether that be our creative or worship pastor, whether it's our kids team and youth teams and uh, lots of different people from across the life of our church uh, who will come and just be a part of it and hang out and, and build those relationships. And so really encourage you to be here, really encourage you to be a part of it because this is the time now where we strengthen and where we align. Isaiah 54 and verse 2 speaks to this. There's a picture there in Isaiah 54 too, and it's a picture of the church. It's a, it, gives, it gives us a comparison of the church. You know, in this particular time, there was the, you know, the church spreading out, and, and it talks about the enlarging of a tent, and, and really it was about followers of Christ, not just gathering in Jerusalem, but spreading right out to Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and, and right across the place. But it says here in Isaiah 54 too, as we get a picture of God's purpose and plan, he says, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. And it says in verse 3, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. And so we get a little bit of a picture there of God's plan for his people and his church. And you know, it says there that there's an enlarging that's going to take place, there's a spreading out, but it speaks about preparation. There's got to be a preparation for that. There can't just be a silver bullet. There can't just be, a, okay, let's enlarge, let's spread out, and then tomorrow let's uh, just walk in that. It's not an overnight wonder. Growing God's church, building God's church is not an overnight wonder. Who knows that? It's through faithfully building. It's through preparation. It's from line upon line, precept upon precept. It's about being faithful and keep turning up. I love there that it says, do not hold back. And I want to encourage you as a church and as a community here in the hills, this is not a time to hold back. This is not a season for us to sit back and go, well, we're just going to see what happens here. We're going to see what unfolds. You know, I really want to stir you and encourage you this morning not to be found looking on, not to be found holding back. But, you know, this is a time to lean in. This is a time to gather because it says there to strengthen, lengthen and strengthen. You know, those stakes literally talks about the governors, those who would lead, those that would oversee. And it says that there was a, before there's the enlargement, there's going to be a strengthening of the stakes. There's going to be a strengthening of the governors, of those who are going to be key to what God wants to do in the future. And I believe that uh, if you're here and you're breathing and you're a part of this church, then you are a part of its future. 
You know, an onlooker. Oh, yeah, Josh, I just come and watch. You know what? This is not a season to watch. This is not a season for us to be in the grandstand. It's a season for us to be on the playing field. Amen? And so I believe that right now we need to just continue to come together. We need to have these Tuesday nights together where we will bring alignment around who we are. But I can promise you that game time will come. And we're aiming for January to pull the cork or to pull the whatever you want to call it, pull the party popper. And uh, the plan is that come January, we start to really see some change in terms of the community knowing that something is happening here. Amen? And so these next three months are critical. These next three months of coming together, oh, I don't go out on Tuesday nights, Josh. Well, how about you do it for the next three months? How about you just do it for the next few months? It's, it's fortnightly. I promise you that as we come together, it gives us an opportunity to strengthen. And when we're strengthened and we're lengthened and we can be who God wants us to be, then we can see the enlargement that God wants to bring to his people and to his church. Amen? Let's not look for a quick fix. Let's not look for a shortcut. Let's not look for a silver bullet. But let's be committed to building. Amen? Are you with me? So you need to let everyone who's not here today, that would normally be here today, that should be here today, but it's a long weekend and they're not here today, uh, who are probably enjoying spring weather or they might be away and at school holidays, you need to spread the word. You need to spread the word because I tell you we're better together. And that's not not a slogan, that's not a cute bumper sticker, it's a fact. We are better together. We are better together. We all know the acronym of TEAM, Together Everyone Achieves more. What God has planned for us cannot happen off the back of one or two or three. What God wants to do in and through his church has to be a coming together. There has to be a strengthening and there has to be a leaning in. Amen? Amen. And so let's get excited for the January liftoff, but let's get excited for the next few months of just bringing everything together nice and strong. Okay, cool. If you've got youth-aged children... Or you know of young people, aged, high school aged. We want to hear from you. And so I need you to speak to Pastor Gary or Jane or, or, or let someone know if you've got high school aged children because we want to in this next season, right, just in these next few months before the year ends, we want to basically align those young people to our youth ministry. And so what that means is we're going to look at, at carpooling, busing, whatever it takes on a Friday night to get your young people down with the Hope Youth Ministry. We're doing that from our City East location as well. At this stage, we're not starting individual youth groups, but we're going to bring everyone together and we want to help facilitate that for your young people. This is a great season for them to be a part of something bigger, to, to come together with a youth ministry that is in love with Jesus, that is, uh, is passionate. Our youth ministry has a great foundation. It has an incredible group of leaders. It has a strong discipleship model attached to it uh, where they get into school squads but also they have a lot of fun together of course as young people should but also uh, they have a great times of sitting under the word and worship and so every Friday night down at our south location our youth ministry gathers and our leaders and our team are ready to welcome some people from the hills to come and join the party sound good sound good so if you've got young people who are high school age, then you need to let us know so that we can then begin to coordinate some carpooling and how we'll get our young people down and back. But it's not that far. It's half an hour. It's really simple. We'll probably meet here at 6, leave here at 6.30, something like that, or 6.15. We'll get them back at night. We'll make it work. We'll put in the hard yards. We'll make it work. We want to see your young people connected and in youth ministry. Amen? Amen. So now's the time. Stir them up, find them, drag them out from the street corners. Go and if you see a young person walking down the street, go, what are you doing Friday night? You need to come and be a part of youth group. Yeah. 
And uh, we're going to get that done, all right? Are you stirred up a bit? Good. Well, let's keep stirring you up. No, I would like you to stand before I get into the Word. I want to pray for us right now. And I say us. I want to pray for us that this be a time of strengthening. I look across this room and I see incredible people. I don't know you all, but I see incredible potential. And I get nervous around the word potential because it's like, does that mean I'm not there yet? No, what potential means is all of us have a God potential on us. And it's realized when we step in. It's realized when we step in. And I just want to pray that right now that we as a church and you as a people can step into what God has in this season. I want to pray that God would strengthen you this morning. Amen. Can we pray? Lord, I thank you. Lord, for infused church Mount Barker. Lord, I thank you for the community that is gathered here. I thank you for the young people, the old people, and everyone in between. God, I pray in this season that for us as your people, Lord, this would be a season of strengthening. Lord, we just pray that this would be a season, Lord, of coming together shoulder to shoulder. Lord, that we'll put aside our differences. Lord, that we can put aside the past. But God, we can come shoulder to shoulder, side by side, united and together, focused on the future that you have for us. Focus, God, on what is yet to come. Lord, we thank you for the past. Lord, we thank you for what has taken place. Lord, it is a foundation and a launching pad to our future. But today, God, we ask that you would strengthen us, that you would strengthen infused church. Lord, that you would strengthen this location in Jesus' name. Lord, that there would be a people that would rise up right now. Lord, we know that there are people in this community, in the Hills community, God, that you are even preparing right now, that you are positioning right now. And God, I just pray in this season, Lord, that you would, you would draw them in. Lord, that you would position. Lord, that you would align. Lord, that you would strengthen. And God, where there may be some this morning who are feeling unsure, discouraged, waiting, sensing, not knowing. God, I just pray today that you would stir a courage in every single one of us. Lord, that our trust would not be in men, but our trust would be in you, God. And Lord, that our focus and our eyes would be on you. As we sung this morning, Lord, we declare how great you are. You are great. You are great, God. And I pray that you'd give us eyes to see. Lord, that you'd give us ears to hear. Lord, that this wouldn't be a season of the natural, but a season of the supernatural in Jesus' name. God, I pray this be a season where you prophetically speak to your church. Lord, where you prophetically speak to your people. Lord, that we would hear you, know you, follow you, desire you, and get hungrier and hungrier and hungrier for you, God. Lord, we just pray for a coming together right now, a strengthening of your church and a strengthening of your people. In Jesus' precious name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. So good, you may be seated. All right, time to preach. That was just me warming up. (laughs) Names of God. It's been so cool to look at different names of God uh, throughout this series. Today, I want to bring you maybe a name of God that isn't isn't one of the go-to's. Uh, you know, we have Jehovah Jireh and we have other names of God, you know, Shalom, my peace. And there's so many other uh, names of God. I know for Dean, straight away when I said names of God, he went straight to I am that I am. And so we all have a name of God that springs out. This one is maybe not as well known. Let's go to Genesis 21 and we're going to start from verse 22. We're going to read a few passages of scripture here. Genesis 21 starting at verse 22. At that time, Abimelech and Phico, the commander... Now, I say Phico, you may say Phico. That's just how it is. I'm going with Phico. If, if it was me, I would say that I'm Phico. 
Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his forces, said to Abraham, God is with you in everything you do. Now, Abimelech is a, is a um, Philistine king. He's a ruler. He's, and he's recognizing here, right, that God is with you in everything you do. In verse 23, he says, Now swear to me here before God that you will not deal falsely with me or my children or my descendants. Show to me in the country where you now reside as a foreigner the same kindness that I've shown to you. And Abraham said, I swear it. Verse 25, then Abraham complained. Anyone ever complained before? It's not what I'm preaching on today. just thought it'd be an interesting question. All right. Abraham complained too, and he was a father of the faith and mightily used by God, and he had a little bit of a whinge. Abraham complained to Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized. But Abimelech said, I don't know who's done this. You did not tell me, and I heard about it only today. So Abraham bought sheep and cattle, and he gave them to Abimelech, and the two men made a treaty. Abraham set apart seven new lambs from the flock, and Abimelech asked Abraham, what is the meaning of these seven new lambs that you've set apart by themselves? And he replied, accept these seven lambs from my hand as a witness that I dug this well. So that place was called Beersheba because the two men swore an oath there. After the treaty had been made at Beersheba, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his forces, returned to the land of the Philistines. And verse 33... Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Bathsheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the eternal God. There he called on the name of the Lord, the eternal God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines for a long, long time. So here we have Abimelech. He's a local ruler. He's a Philistine king, and he wants to make a treaty here with Abraham because, as it says there, he, he recognizes and says to him, God is with you in everything you do. So he recognizes that God is with him. He recognizes that God's on his side, and he wants to make a bit of a peace treaty. And so Abimelech played it safe, and rather than become an enemy of Abraham, he becomes an ally of Abraham. Now, at first glance, we look at this, and we might think this is such a minor incident. Why is this even mentioned? Why, Josh, are you even talking about it? Because really, what has this got to do with the bigger picture of it all? Two guys making a little bit of a treaty about a well. And so it's a good question. Um, but we see here something powerful take place. So even though the story itself may seem basic, even though the scenario around it might seem average, a well, a treaty, hey, it's mine, you have some... Like, in all sense, it's just a normal, everyday situation. But what we see here though, for Abraham, he calls on the Lord and he calls on the Lord as Al-Olam, the everlasting God. So something was significant here in Abraham's heart. Something was obviously significant here for Abraham because he plants a tree and he says, you know what, I want to remember this place. And he calls it Al-Olam, the Lord or sorry, Al-Olam, the everlasting God, or some versions would say the eternal God. Now, the Hebrew word here for Olam means for a long time, always, forever. A long time, always, forever. And so Al-Olam reveals God as the everlasting God. The everlasting God, without beginning and without end. The everlasting God. God, why would God, sorry, why would Abraham use that name here? Why would he use Al-Olam here? Now, I think what's important for us to note, because I think it helps us understand and maybe bring context, is that a little bit earlier, Abraham's wife Sarah had given birth to Isaac. 
And so we know that that was a son that God had promised to them. And so obviously it was a miracle, it was God's provision, and it was God being faithful to a promise that he had made many years earlier. So Abraham, with the birth of Isaac, his son, experiences God's incredible faithfulness to his life. True? Okay. And so as a reminder that the everlasting God or the eternal God is a God that keeps his promises, here Abraham plants a tree, an evergreen tree here as a reminder of that. Again, you go, Josh, yeah, but why now? Why didn't he do it before when Isaac, why, why didn't he declare that? Why after this particular story? Well, let, let's push on. Because sometimes when you read the Bible, you can get the feeling that God majors on the spectacular, can't you? Like we read the Bible and we see like account after account, story after story, and for most intents and purposes, we see the spectacular and we think that that's where God majors. Let me help you out. He spoke the universe (laughs) into being. Boom, there it is. He spoke it and it was created. Spectacular, last time I checked. He rained down fire and brimstone to destroy a wicked Sodom. It's a big, spectacular firework show right there. All right. What about the plagues on Egypt? What about when he parted the Red Sea? What about when he provided manna in the wilderness to the children of Israel? What about when there was water that came from a rock? I don't know about you. It hasn't happened to me just yet. And so you can read scripture and we can recount the mighty deeds that God's done. There's no doubt about that. And we can see so much in the spectacular. And all of those things are wonderful and all of those things are powerful and all of those things are important. But the problem I find is that for you and I, we mostly don't live in that experience. Who's with me this morning? You and I mostly don't live in the realm of the spectacular. Naomi gets a breakthrough and gets a healing in our shoulder. Spectacular. Anytime God does something like that, that's spectacular. But who knows that we don't live in that space 24-7. And so for all intents and purposes, you and I, we live a daily life, don't we? We live an ordinary, routine life. And really what characterizes most of our lives are things like this, getting ready for the day. So we did that this morning. We got up, we showered, hopefully. Brushed our teeth. Hopefully. <laughs> but we rush off to work, don't we? We get the kids off to school. We, we shop for the groceries. We pay the bills. Praise Jesus. We mow the lawns. And as I did yesterday, we maintain the household. We do those spring cleaning chores. Anyone else doing some spring cleaning chores at the moment? Uh, anyone else need, needs to do some spring cleaning chores at the moment? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But for the most part, that's what life looks like. Ordinary, daily routines. And so sometimes we can, I guess, ask ourselves the question and wonder, well, how does God fit in with the ordinary? Because so much of what I read is spectacular. How does God fit in with the ordinary? But I think the question then extends to how does God fit in with ordinary people? How does God fit in with you and I, just ordinary people? Amen? Because after all, most of us have not been elevated to a place where, like Billy Graham, we're speaking 
in stadiums to thousands and hundreds of thousands of people, Reinhard Bonnke to millions of people and seeing millions of salvations. Who knows that that's not where we all land? (laughs) We don't all land there. Most of us as God's people are simple, good, and when I say simple, I'm not being derogatory, just simple, good, ordinary people who may not be famous or politically powerful, but people living faithful lives in pursuit of Christ. That's where most of us live. And so this passage here is really, really important because you and I are ordinary people living ordinary lives except for one factor, and that is Christ. That he invaded our world and that he has come. And because of Christ, because of what Jesus did, you and I are living these extraordinary lives fulfilling God's purpose. And so when we look at Abraham, again, when we look at a lot of his story, we can see a lot of spectacular. But who knows and who realizes that there was a lot of ordinary about Abraham as well? We read the, the accounts here and there of spectacular, but we also see in Genesis 21 here a fairly ordinary account of an ordinary person. And so as you think about Abraham's life, right, his life wasn't always made up of one spectacular event after another. Most days he did what you and I do, got up, made sure the animals were being cared for and fed and cleaned, dealt with problems of sick and straying animals, dealt with servants who were having squabbles, and his, his day was just about getting enough water and enough food to take care of the flocks and to take care of his family, just every day ordinary things. Now we know that there was a great miracle uh, when uh, Isaac was born in, in old age, that's spectacular. But really, for a lot of Abraham's life, it was routine, but it was a life used by God for God. And so I build all that up, you go, Josh, what's your point? My point is this, why did God include this account in Scripture? I don't have a theological answer, I have my answer. And that is that I just believe that it shows the faithfulness of God in and through the ordinary. In and through the ordinary. Whether big or small, significant or insignificant, there was a statement being made here and Abraham plants a tree to declare it that God is a God who doesn't change. And so today as we speak about Al Olam, the everlasting God, I want to speak about a God who doesn't change. A God who doesn't change that was faithful to, uh, faithful to Abraham with the birth of Isaac in the spectacular. But here, God was faithful to him in the ordinary. You see, God doesn't look at it and go, oh, well, I'll turn up when things get exciting, but if you're just going to be tending to daily issues, I'll I'll stay out of it. Let me know when something exciting is going on, people, and I'll come back and I'll be a part of it. That's not who God is. God looks at the coming and the going. He looks at your morning and your night. He looks at your waking. He looks at your eating. He looks at every part of your life. He looks at who you are in the quiet space. He looks at who you are here this morning. God cares for you. God loves you. God is a God that doesn't change. He's an eternal God. He's an everlasting God. And he is faithful to you in every area and every aspect of your life. Not just in the spectacular, but he's faithful to you. And he's faithful to I in the everyday and in the ordinary. And I believe that's a part of what we're seeing here. That God was a faithful God, 
no matter whether it was a significant matter or an insignificant matter. Here's the thing, God doesn't change. Malachi 3.6 says this, I, the Lord, do not change. Hebrews 13.8 says to us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. You see, God doesn't change, but who knows that change is a constant? Change is a constant. Greek philosopher Heraclides said this, the only thing constant is change. (laughs) So God doesn't change, but we live in a world and we live in an existence where change is constant. In making this statement, Heraclitus captured, I guess, what many of us have recognized that there is precious little in the world around us that is stable. Think about it. There's not a lot that is stable. Even things that once upon a time were stable for us, maybe now are are no longer stable. Financial markets. Once stable, who knows that they can be unstable? Who knows that property markets can be stable, but then they can go through periods of instability? I saw something yesterday, and I don't know who to believe anymore, who says, oh, the Adelaide market's going to see a 40% decline. Okay, whatever. And then you tell, see another newspaper article that says auction, auction rates at the moment are at their highest properties booming. Where's the stability? No stability. Even the mountains, right, catch this, even the mountains that we look at and go, well, they never change. Who knows that even they change? They're subject to change. Why? Could erosion. Now, it might be over a long period of time, but even those things are subject to change. A God who doesn't change, but around us we have a changing environment. We have people who change. Yeah? (laughs) And so it's not just the world outside us that's unstable, but over time, as I said, if people change, then we ourselves will experience, what, physical change? Anyone gone through any physical changes? I'm finding that my hair wants to go further back on my scalp particularly in this region here. It's just like it, it, it just wants to go backwards. It's like I've got a recession going on. But what I don't understand is that while my hair on my head's in recession, it seems to be in abundance when it comes to my ears and my nostrils. And I know there are men here, the women are like, we don't want to hear about this, Josh, but there are men here today, you know what I'm talking about. A recession on top, but abundance in the nostril. I don't get that. It is unnecessary. It is unnecessary to have hair growing out. I don't get it. It's unnecessary. Like, God, can't we just transplant that up top somewhere? But who knows that we go through physical change. So it's not just the the things around us, but people change. We go through physical changes. We go through mental changes, moral changes, spiritual changes. People change. People change. And so when there's a world where we know that changes are constant, then what do we do? As humans, we seek stability. We seek stability. But unfortunately, because sin entered the world, and because of sin, often we look for permanence and stability in all the wrong places. Or, shall I say it another way, not necessarily the wrong places, but we look for permanence and stability in things that are also changing. A relationship. Who knows that relationships change? 
<laughs> Our bank balance. <laughs> A few laughs there. Familiar surroundings. Whatever it is, it might be something else for you, but what we tend to do is we tend to then... When, we, when we're experiencing a change around us and a change within us, we seek out stability. We st- seek out something that we can rely on and that will be constant. But let's remember, the only thing that's constant is change. So it's no wonder that ultimately we end up disappointed, disillusioned, discouraged by those particular things because no matter how great the relationship is, the relationship is not going to provide us with the stability that we've been looking for. Because relationships change. People change. There's only one that doesn't change. And that's our God. The everlasting, the eternal God. He's a God who never changes. And so any, any other area, any other place that we look to place our stability or our trust or our, or, or our stableness, if that's a word, ultimately will let us down, ultimately will disappoint, ultimately will discourage us because they're shifting. So you go, well, Josh, what do we do then? I I believe it's really important that we look beyond the created and look towards the creator. When it comes to stability, when it comes to a constant, when it comes to building our lives on something that won't shift on us, the God who never changes... The God who never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That tells me that I can trust. That means that I can build on that. I can rely on that. Because there is nothing else in this world that can give me that promise and that can give me that surety and that can give me that stability. Same yesterday, today. Who here is the same person today that they were yesterday? Some of you were in tears yesterday watching the football game. And today, you're a little bit better. Some of you were excited yesterday. Some of you couldn't have cared less yesterday. But who knows that we're different people. Things happen and we change. Things happen and we ride the roller coaster of life. Emotions, we have a win and we're up. Next minute. We're down on the dumps. Why? Because we change. Things around us change. But you know what? If we want to build on something reliable, trustworthy, that doesn't change, then we need to look beyond the created. And our eyes and our hearts and our mouths and our gaze needs to be fixed on the creator. The God who never changes. See, that's what Abraham had experienced. That's why he planted a tree, because he's like, God, you're incredible. In the big moments you've been there, you called me out. You told me to pack up my bags. You told me to leave my family. You told me that you'd take me to a land that I would show you, that you would show me. I find that incredible. Because so many of us, I'm not one of them, but so many of you are process people, detail people. But right throughout Abraham's journey, and it happens more than once, God says, just go and I'll show you. He doesn't say, I'll show you, and then you go. So for all you process detail people... (laughs) (laughs) Now, I'm not saying that process and detail, that's all important. but, But the going has to happen first. 
There's got to be a step of faith or else it's not faith at all. If we're waiting on all the detail, then is it faith? Or is it just a calculated risk? Come on. Because when Abraham went to sacrifice his son Isaac, the same thing happened twice in that story where he says, hey, go to the mountain, I'll show you. And Because it says throughout that account that when Abraham arrived at the place God showed him, right throughout Abraham's journey, he, he, he learned what it was to just step out in trust and know that, you know what, God is faithful because he's a God that doesn't change. He planted a tree, not because of one event. He planted a tree that day because of a journey and of reflection where he went, my goodness, God, right from the outset, you've been faithful to me. And it doesn't matter whether it's been with my sheep and a well that I own or whether it's been with a child that we're not able to have. You've been faithful through it all. You haven't picked and choose. You haven't gone, yeah, I'll jump on that. No. God is a faithful God. God is a constant God. He's a consistent. You and I are inconsistent. So guess what happens when we're changing and we're inconsistent and when we're all over the place? We view our God through the lens in which we are. But who knows that God, thank God, is not like you and I. He's a God that never changes. He is a constant. We can trust him. We can rely on him. We can put our hope in him. Amen? Our God is unchangeable. His character and being can experience no change. We see that in Hebrews 10. Sorry, Hebrews 1 verse 10, I don't have time. But here's the thing, God cannot grow more or less powerful. He is powerful. We can't limit him through our experience and we can't make him more powerful the more we plead with him. God is all powerful. He's a God that doesn't change. He can never cease to be holy. He can never cease to be just, to be good or to be true. He is all those things. He is the description. He is the, he is the object of those things. And it means that he cannot fail to keep his promises to you and I. He cannot fail to keep his promises to you and I. What are his promises to you and I? To forgive us and to protect us forever. We see that in Isaiah 55 and verse 6. You can look that up yourself. But he promises to forgive us our sins and to protect us, to be there, to send a saviour. To send Jesus that we may be forgiven, set free and live under God's protection forever. So change is ever present. But who knows that not every change is positive. God is constant, but we live in a world that's not. I hope I'm getting my point across. We live in a fallen world. And who knows that when things are broken and not everything's positive, it's easy to be fearful. We heard a great thought this morning, God has not given us a spirit of fear, timidity. But here's the thing, when we are firmly planted in a God who is unchanging, then we have the stability and we have the ability to not be afraid. Why? Because he changes not. He changes not. We're relying on the one who's incapable of changing. Incapable. And who will never allow his promises to fail. Here's the thing. When we're faithful to God, and this is the point. This is, this is what's so important. See, Abraham wasn't just the lucky guy. Oh, well, Josh, he was lucky that God was so faithful. Abraham was himself faithful. When God said go, he went. 
When God said, take, pack everything up, he packed everything up. When God said, I want you to go that way, he went that way. When God said, now I want you... Abraham was faithful to his God. He was faithful. And you know what? When you and I are faithful, when we are faithful, let's remember that God, his promises to you and I are yes and amen. That he is faithful to us. His promises and his goodness are unchanging so we can have our security in him. Amen? Who knows that culture is changing? Who knows that the world around us is changing? I want to speak, bringing it towards an end, but I just want to speak for a moment about you and I raising things up, not dragging things down. Because culture is changing. And with culture changing, you go, well, Josh, what do you mean? Okay, values are changing. People's values, what they value is shifting. Foundations are shifting. In a postmodern mindset of what's happening in our universities is that they're being taught to question absolutely everything because there is no absolute truth. Our young people going through university are being encouraged and pushed strongly to question the authority of the Word of God as absolute truth. Things are shifting. Things are changing. Do you know right now, and this is happening right across We're seeing it here in South Australia, we're seeing it in Australia, we're seeing it across the world. That right now, across the world, in the Christian church, attendances are in decline. It's a fact, it's happening. It's happening through the Western church. Attendances are in decline, why? Because there's been a a lowering. There's there's, There's been a lowering of our expectation, a lowering of the standard, a lowering... And we've become more proficient and now we can go to church online and we can Google and we can do, we have access and so things are shifting even not just in the worldly culture but even in Christian culture, things are shifting. I'll speak into that another day but my point is this, that when we talk about culture shifting, let's not just think it's the world and us Christians and the world. Things are shifting in Christian culture too and not all of those shifts are positive. Declining church attendance is not a positive culture shift. Why? Oh, well, you're a pastor, Josh. That's what you matter. You care about church attendance. Yeah, I do, because we're called to be planted in the house of God. And those, Psalm 92, that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in his courts. My family has flourished not because I'm a good dad, but because we kept our family planted in the house of the Lord. My daughter is a kid's pastor. My son's about to finish school. He, he desires to, to be a youth leader. Do And you go, for me, it's not about ministry. They can choose to do whatever they want. But you know, what, you know what's important for Sharon and I? Is being planted in the house of the Lord so that we can flourish, so that our lives can be in partnership and community with others so that we can walk this journey together, that we can share truth with one another, that we can strengthen one another. I believe that the church was God's idea, not man's. When the Holy Spirit fell there in the book of Acts, the early church was birthed and it was birthed in power. It was birthed in power, not birthed in nominalism, not birthed in... The devil's having a go at my back. Have I killed Bambi? Do you want me to... I think this happens every time I come. I'm sorry. 
I'm getting on my little bandwagon right now. I said I wouldn't speak about it. Anyway, move on. But you're here, so I'm just preaching to the choir. Let's not allow the church. What does it say in the, in the New Testament? What does it say? Do not forsake. I'm looking to the doctor. <laughs> Meeting together. Gathering. Sitting under the apostles' teaching. So important. So important that we gather. Get strong together. Encourage one another. It's hard. Life's hard. So important that we gather. So important that God's church is a church of power. It's a church of relevance. It's a church where people can find refuge. That it is a solid... Because I believe the church, while you and I are in change, we can come and we can be a part of the body of Christ and and together look to a God who doesn't change. Anyway, that's my little rant over. But I guess that's my point. Things are changing. Gosh, come back team. That'll make people think I'm finishing. But in these changing times, this is what I really believe. The church must be raised up and not dragged down. We can't allow our beliefs, our values, our morals or our standards to be dragged down to the level of our experience, but we must see them raised up with Christ. Let me just show you something real quick before we close. Psalm 113. Psalm 113. When we've got a changing culture, when we've got people questioning and dragging I don't know if you've noticed, but we don't live in a Christian nation like we thought we did. But I love Psalm 113 here. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. A God who never changes. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Unchanging. From the morning to the night, his name, unchanging, is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high? Listen, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. But here's the thing, you see, we see, we see this picture of God stooping down. He, he stoops down, but here's the thing, he doesn't, he doesn't keep us there. Why does God stoop down? Not to come down to our experience, not to come down and keep us where we're at. But it says here in verse 7 that he raises. And so he stoops down. Who is like our God who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? But he raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes, with the princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. You see... Now's a time for you and I not to be dragged down, not to be weighed down, and not to call God down to the level of our experience, but to allow God to come down to our experience and drag us and raise us and lift us to a place of glory. Amen? That's why he comes down, but he raises us. He stoops down and he sees us and he sees our plight and he sees our situation. And because he's a God that never changes, he's faithful. But let's not drag God down to the level of our experience. But in these days, let us be raised up. Let us be lifted up. Allow God to lift us and raise us to the level where God rules and reigns. 
you know, for the church. That's why I'm encouraging you over these next few months to lean in. Why? Because this is not a time just to sit back. This is not a time to go, oh, well, our experience has been declined. Our experience is that people aren't getting saved. Our experience, you know what? Let's not live and let's not settle at the place of our experience. But in this hour and in this time, Let's have our eyes fixed on a God who does not change. The everlasting and eternal God. Let's have our gaze and our eyes fixed on him. Let's not have our stability in anything else. Let's not have our stability in how many nights home a week we get. Let's not have our stability in our bank balance. Let's not have our stability in our schedule. But let's have our stability set and founded by him who lifts us from the level of our experience, who raises us from the place of our experience. And I believe that's what God is wanting to do. You know what? Sometimes things have to go, have to be pulled back before they push forward. Think about an arrow in the hand of an archer. The arrow doesn't just go forward. It needs to be pulled back. There's a stretching. There's a tension. And I believe in my church, our church, Hope Church, there has been a pulling back taking place. And at times it's been a little bit discouraging and at times it's been, God, what are you doing? But I believe that God has shown me a picture of an arrow that he is about to release, an arrow that he's about to send out. And there has been a pulling back. There has been a tension. There has been this weight. But I believe that God is wanting to catapult us forward into momentum. But you know, the key to it is not sitting back. The key to it is not saying, oh God, this is my experience. But the key to it is to come on our knees before him. A God who is unchanging. A God who never changes. Who is faithful. Who will p- fulfill his promise. And to allow him. Allow him to pick us up. To lift us and to raise us. To raise our faith. Some in this room, you need your faith stirred afresh. You become comfortable. You become lethargic. It's been a long time since the presence of God has moved you. But I believe this is a season where God is wanting to lift us. He's wanting to raise us and he's wanting to stir us. I really do. God is a God that doesn't change. Can you stand with me this morning? He's a God that doesn't change. Al Olam, the everlasting God. The God who never changes. I just wonder if we can just raise hands and hearts towards God here for a moment. I want to pray for you this morning. Then we're going to sing that song, How Great. But I want to pray for us. I believe that he wants to bring an alignment to hearts here this morning. I believe that he wants to draw some of you back into an alignment. I felt the Holy Spirit say to me these words as I was driving up. Fitting or found? Fitting or found? And The first word for me is how there are some here today and maybe your thinking has been, how does God fit into my life? And what we do is we're trying to fit God into our experience. We're trying to fit God into things. But there's an alignment that God wants to do today where he doesn't want you to fit things in, but he wants you to be found in him. He's wanting you to be found in him. He hasn't called us to fit things in. He hasn't called us to go, oh, well, if it fits, it works. He wants our lives to be totally surrendered and found in him. I want to promise you this today from the word of God, he is faithful. When you begin to allow your life to be found in him, not just fitting in with him, he is faithful. He He will be faithful to your family. He'll be faithful to your schedule. He'll be faithful to your employment. He'll be faithful to your relationship. He'll be in faith. He'll be faithful to your finance. When we are found in him, 
He is faithful. God, I just pray right across this room that you would bring us into alignment. God, I pray that for my life. Align me today, Holy Spirit. Align me today, Holy Spirit, that I wouldn't be seeking and searching for stability in created things. But God, we want our stability, our hope, our trust, our eyes and our focus to be in the, on the creator. And so God, today we come back into alignment. We align ourselves to you, God, and with you, God. Lord, I pray right across this room that you would begin to draw hearts. Lord, I pray that you would stir faith in this season. Pray that you would stir energy and excitement and life. Lord, I believe that you've came that we might have life and have it abundantly. And Lord, I just pray even across this church and across this room, Lord, that there would be a new energy, a new life, Lord, that would, that would come from a well deep within, Lord, that, you, that rivers of living water would begin to flow again where there's been blockage, where there's been resistance. God, we just pray today that every blockage be removed. Lord, we just pray that every resistance be taken away. And God, we just declare rivers of living water. Rivers of living water again. Lord, you're going to stir faith again. You're going to stir the prophetic again. Lord, you're going to stir dreams again. You're going to stir things in our heart again. You're going to stir things up. Come on, we're going to stir things up. God, I believe that you're strengthening. You're strengthening people here across this room this morning. You're strengthening their resolve. You're strengthening vision. You're strengthening passion. You're strengthening in Jesus' name. You're strengthening in Jesus' name. Come on, how great is our God? He's a great, great God. Allow Him to be your strength today. He's strengthening you. He's aligning you in Jesus' name, bringing you into alignment. Come on, let's sing it. He's a great, great God. How great.